you hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. Ready to get rich? Isn't that what investing is all about? For many, though, the thought of investing is way too confusing and scary. Well, this week, we're going to take all of that away. We've got Wendy and Eric of DIY.fund on the show to talk Investing 101 and why they created an awesome DIY investing platform that helps you invest like a pro without all the confusion. Plus, click on the link in the show notes and download our free Debt-Free Guys Beginner Investing Guide. Let's get on with the show. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is Queer Money. What well, we're very excited for today, we have two old friends of ours that we met last year at FinCon, actually. I guess right. I'm not terribly old. Yeah. A year ago, almost. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy and Eric Nissan, welcome to the show. Hey, thank hey, you. thanks for having us. It's actually great. We love having you. And you are the owners, founders, inventors, creators of everything DIY Fund, right? That is correct. Great. Would you mind giving our audience a little bit of your personal background and then discuss a little bit about your platform? Yeah, well, my background, I was on Wall Street. I went to Wharton for business school and then pretty much spent my entire career on Wall Street selling every different kind of bond from high-grade corporates down to, you know, the junk of the junk bond world. Love what I did. I thought it was really interesting. And I sold to very high, very big, large institutional investors and hedge funds. And so I really saw the inner workings of how the financial world worked. But it also, at the same time, really got me to a point where I realized that the individuals certainly don't have the same opportunities that the large institutions do. And that was sort of what brought us to starting DIY Fund. And I think we struggled as individual investors like everyone else did. My background is similar to Wendy's. You know, Wall Street, I was on the technology side, but I was at big, large hedge fund where, you know, I kind of looked at what they were doing, looked at what I was doing. And decided seat of the pants investing is not really working. And, but, you know, but it doesn't mean I have to bring in the complexities of a big fund, but just some basic things that you're scratching your head going, why doesn't the individual have access to these same tools? Why do I have to pay an advisor to do simple things like rebalance my account or, or just manage and know what I own and what my performance is? And so that's what the impetus was for DIY to fund. It was an organic tool for ourselves and just kind of grew from that to let's, you know, share some of these ideas with the world. Right. And I think that for most of us, when we're not in the investing world, there is this certain sense of fear. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to make a mistake. And at the same time, there is this kind of perception that the institutional investors and the Warren Buffetts of the world or the, the Jim Cramers, they have all these advantages and I'll never be able to get there because they have all, all these advantages. You're trying to take both of those and just say, those aren't true. I mean, unfortunately, you know, I guess this is kind of taking me to a topic that maybe a little early, but, you know, you look at some of the robo advisors, if you're, I don't know if your audience knows what those are, some of the automated investing tools, you go on their website and they have like the founder of modern portfolio theory and, and the 10 PhDs on their staff. And I mean, a lot of the language of Wall Street is to tell the individual that this is too complicated for you. 
you need to, you know, kind of hand it off to a professional. But if you look at the real numbers of it, the majority of hedge funds, the top of the investing world underperform the markets year after year. And so what are individuals really paying for when they think they need somebody to go out there and invest their money for them? And I think that what we've really realized, because I worked on the trading desk with the most sophisticated investors on one of the most prestigious desks. And at the end of the day, do you know how we invested? We all screamed back and forth at each other. What are you buying? What are you doing? <laughs> there was nothing. There was no rhyme or reason. And when we got our bonus at the end of the year, they told me to go give it to, you know, this, you know, XYZ advisor and, to, you know, with crazy fees. So, you know, it's not inbred, but the fact of the matter is when we took a step back and realized what these big firms really were doing was very, very basic. It's just, what is your risk tolerance and how do you want to invest and create a balanced portfolio? And when it's time, properly rebalance. I mean, it's a very, very simple, simple, simple equation. And there's no reason for anyone to be scared by it. Once you get in and you see it, you realize they don't have anything that you don't have. I love that story of, of how you investors would talk about how each of you were investing. And that's David and I weren't on as big a team and as, as prestigious institutions, but that's exactly what we did on the trading desk that we were on. Right. I mean, it's just, I mean, I think it's everywhere. The fact is, is that there's no real investing. That's gambling. And everyone talks about their winners. No one talks about their losers. So I think that becomes more intimidating for people to start like, well, everyone's making so much money and I don't really know where to start and I don't know what to do. Yeah, of course, they're only going to talk about their winners because that's what makes them feel good. Right. So it's I like the pre-Facebook. <laughs> yeah, right? Everyone's <laughs> having a fabulous life. Right? So would you mind- some of this complexity, you know, rolls into the software. And I think this is where we saw an opportunity for what we're trying to do. So if you open an online account, you know, Schwab and E-Trade, et cetera, you're going to go in there and you're going to see blinking lights and real time streaming quotes and and you're going to have to search for companies, you know, thinking that this is a full time job and you're going to look at technical analysis and charts. And the truth of the matter is most people who try those things lose money and drastic amounts of money. And that's not proper rebalancing. So our philosophy is these tools that you get when you have an online account should be to help you balance your account, to help you just maintain a proper investment strategy. Not the, you know, I need to get adrenaline rushes every time I right. log into my account type of experience. Yeah. It's interesting you say that, Eric, because I did work on an institutional trading desk and we had a client of ours who did a lot of trading on her own. She had an advisor for some of her money and she had a portfolio that she played with on her own. And one year her statement was 119 pages long. <gasps> and oh that's how many trades she placed. And it was, what was interesting is she had a, over a million dollars in the account. And that year she netted $65,000. And we were just <laughs> wow. like, oh, you could have, you, you could have done so it. much better if you just bought and hold. When we went into this, we actually went into an accelerator when we first started our company and we really wanted to, you know, vet it. And we did a tremendous amount of customer interviews to get feedback and what people were looking for. And we ran some analysis on what is the S&P average for the last 20, 30 years? We had no idea. And we get, and it was 9.9%. And I'm thinking to myself, if 
I knew I could just put my money in and get almost 10% every year, I'd do it. You know, I'd be done. Well, it's not guaranteed. It's not, no, it's certainly not guaranteed. There's ups and downs, yeah. And that's what people, you know, when it's high, they buy more. When it's low, they sell. And I think that it's all the in-betweens that make, you know, the 117 pages of trades not (laughs) profitable. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And I think that people forget that it's not a sprint. It is, you know, a marathon. And even if you're late to the game, You'd rather just get invested and stay invested. And the longer you can be invested, the better. Right. I love it. If we could just take it back a step or two, can you give our audience some guidance on how do I know if I should get involved with investing and how do I get started? I think the answer depends on everyone's situation. I think that, you know, personally, debt needs to get kind of wiped out, especially if you're paying high interest rates. There's nothing wrong with putting some dollars in and investing, you know, especially if you, for a learning experience and getting your feet wet. But to have, you know, huge amounts of money in the stock market, but yet you're paying higher fees every month on your debt, I don't know that that makes sense. But once people feel like they have this money that they need to invest and earn money on, and a place to, to invest is the stock market. You're going to have to understand the ebbs and flows of the market so that, as Wendy said, you're not panicking when it goes down and you're not like overly exuberant when it's going up and you understand kind of work. So there is a learning process to the emotional side of the market. And I think that that's never too early to start. Right. So even if you start with a small amount of money, just to start seeing the ebbs and flows right now, we've only gone up for quite a while, but in general, there always are ebbs and flows. And I think if people can just, even if it's with a small amount of money, you know, maybe even auto feed into an online broker account and start just even buying, you know, some basic ETFs just to start seeing how the market moves so that when you're really ready, we've talked about this before, people spend so much time getting out of debt, saving their money, doing everything. But when they get to the point they finally are successful and ready to invest, there aren't a lot of tools. There's not a lot of support for you. And I think that's one of the big impetus for why we have this DIY. It's do it yourself. It's you know, save all of your money. You can do it yourself. It's not hard. You just need to have the tools to do it. Exactly, Wendy. I really appreciate what you just said there because our goal really is to help our listeners. All of those of you out there who are paying off your debt have this goal of increasing your life. It's not to get to zero. It's to live that bigger and better life. And the best way to do that is that once you cross that threshold of not having debt anymore, you have to start putting that money to work so that it can make more money for you. Without a doubt. Yeah, And stock market investing, as I said, is one avenue towards that. There's obviously a lot of different places to invest. It is a good place to put your money. There is great liquidity in there. What I mean is that at any time you can sell with a click of the button and you get your turn your investments into cash. And that's that's something not to be laughed at. I mean, that's a real big deal compared to, let's say, real estate, which has its own pros and cons. But we've all seen it where you, you buy something and you try to get rid of it. And it, that takes time or an annuity or some other product. So There's certainly pros and cons to each investment, and it's important to understand why you're investing in that certain vehicle. So you mentioned about starting with a little bit of money. Do you have any recommendations on maybe how much money I should save up before I consider investing in the stock market? Yeah, I don't know that that's an answer that I can give like $10 is, you know, everyone should just do that. Everyone's situation is different. I think there's certainly minimum amounts that you might need, but I don't think there are a lot at some of the online brokers. 
A good place if you're you know, just starting out is Robinhood because they have commission-free trading over there. The only caveat to that is they don't allow you to invest an IRA account, so it just has to be your taxable account. But that's a good, cheap way to get started. And if you don't have a lot of money in the account, you're not getting eaten up with fees and commissions, even though today they're typically 7 to $10 a trade, et cetera. I don't know that there's a specific number. I think it's more about getting your feet wet. The fear of getting started, you get past that point. Right. Or even just an online broker. And I think for the most part, finding out whatever their minimums are, just starting there because, you know, they're going to have a whole range of services too that, you know, you can trade through. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So you've piqued my interest. I've paid off a good percentage of my debt, if not all of it. I've got some money saved up that I'm comfortable investing. What would be my next step to get started? I guess the next step would be to find a brokerage firm that I want to open an account with. And then any suggestions on what I do next? How do I start figuring out where to invest and how to invest? There's two parts of that question. One is the mechanics of actually you know, placing a trade if you've never done that before and how to do that. And the other part is, what do I actually buy? And so, I mean, if you're really a beginner just getting started, want to get your feet wet, just kind of have an investment, want to see how it works, I would probably just pick an ETF, which is a basket of stocks. They're cheaply put together as opposed to a mutual fund, which tend to have high fees. And you can, with the click of the button, own 200 or 500 stocks in one big basket. You can own the whole stock market, basically, with a click of the button. So you don't really have to worry about, did I pick the right stock or did I pick the right sector or did I pick the right investment? You're just invested in it all. The mechanics of doing that, also learning how to place that trade and learn, you know, based on the market price and, you know, the different ways to do that. I think that's a great experience for someone to get started. From there, you know, then you can start to say, instead of owning that one stock, one big ETF, I want to have specializations. Let's say I like technology. I think that's kind of a a sector, something that I know about. I want to own the technology ETF, et cetera. And from there, you can venture off into individual stocks if there's things that make sense for you. That being said, what we really talk about when you start investing in individual stocks is understanding how to diversify. You don't want to put all your money into, you know, we all hear the eggs in one basket, but it's very true with investing. If you buy one stock and that company goes out of business, you're down to zero. You definitely want to understand diversification and how to buy the right amount of each stock so that you don't have any one concentration in one area that can really hurt you. But that's kind of like two or three steps down the road that I've kind of taken you through there. Right, Eric. I think, you know, if I'm a novice or even a slightly experienced investor, what you've just described may start to scare me a little bit. And I'll just say, okay, I'm going to, I'm just going to send it all over to an advisor and let them take care of it. The problem is, is that the advisor will do exactly what we just said to do. They'll buy you some ETFs and they'll show you your ETFs and then they're going to charge you 2% or 1% of any returns you have and they're going to put it in their own pocket. So, That first step of just buying some simple ETFs is no different than buying a stock, which is very, very simple. Unless there's really a specific reason that you need to have an advisor manage that money for you, I can guarantee you will underperform the market using an advisor when you take out their fees and all they're doing is buying an ETF for you. And I think if you take it even down to a little more basic, you need to find out 
what are you there for investing? Are you a conservative investor? Are you moderate? Are you, do you want to be aggressive? You know, what is your time horizon? Do you have a life event happening in the near future? Do you want to save for vacation for kids college? So there are lots of different things you need to start thinking about and invest with that in mind. So if you have something, if you're just investing for retirement, it's going to look very different than if you have a life event in five years that you want to save up for. It's basically bringing it down to the very basics and saying, what are my goals for investing? What do I want to do? How much risk am I willing to take on? And I think those are the first things. And that's what we do. The very first thing you do when you sign into DIY.fund is we take you through our willow wizard that gives you some information on based on your answers, what your risk tolerance is. Are you really conservative when you thought you were aggressive or are you really moderate when you thought you were something different? And I think knowing that information gets you to a good starting point. But I'm trying not to overcomplicate it for people getting started. I mean, yeah, just getting them into an investment and getting their feet wet and the mechanics of it is really an important psychological event to overcome, I think, for a new investor. So, Eric, I just want to jump back to a point that you made. And actually, there's a video on your website that I really like how you guys explain this. But maybe you could dig a little bit deeper into this idea of that your advisor is just going to automatically take anywhere from 1% to 2% or more out of your account. What does that mean and how does that impact the return that you would have over the lifetime of your investments? Sure. Well, let's just take it on the simple side. If I have a stock, I bought it at $10 and at the end of the year is at $12, I earn 20%. That's a good return. But instead of earning 20%, I'll get 19% back on that. And that's a good stock. Let's say I have a stock and it earned only 1% or 2% that year. I'm netting, my net is minus that 1% or 2% that the advisor's taken out. If I lose 5% on a stock, well, guess what? I've just lost 6% on the stock because the advisor still takes his fees out for doing his work, whether you made money or not. And over the long term, as you compound interest and you compound your returns, those numbers really add up significantly because you're not going to earn 20% every year. And so on the down years and the up years, you're just that money's coming out. You look at a portfolio over 20 years and you are taking out 1% to 2% in fees and it's basically half of your earnings will get lost to fees. They can really add up. Now, is that worth it? If the advisor is doing something that you feel is adding value to your account that you couldn't do on your own, et cetera, then it could be. But from the other side of it is if they're doing a simple, let's buy you some ETFs and rebalance them every once in a while, then I would argue that you're just better off buying those ETFs. And I think the one thing that was staggering to me when I watched that video on your DIY.fund was this potential of hundreds of thousands of dollars in fees, or I don't necessarily say fees, but the performance of your portfolio would be lost because of using an advisor. We basically ran an analysis that if you started with $100,000 and invested it over 30 years, that at the S&P average of 9.9%, you would end up with 100000 would turn into a little over $1.7 million with all the compound interest and dividends. And if you paid out you know, fees to advisors or mutual fund fees, that 100000 would only be worth about $700,000. That's about a million dollars difference in just because of fees. Wow. I think I'd personally rather have that in my account. Wow. Right. So you brought up a very good point, Eric, is that there may be value 
in having an advisor manage your portfolio because they may be doing something that does allow you to increase beyond that. But on average, like you said, they're going to throw you in a portfolio that's made up of a bunch of predetermined ETFs or stocks, and then they're just going to leave it there and it's going to continue to grow and they're going to do this rebalancing. And by rebalancing, we mean sell some from one ETF and buy another to make sure that you're kind of staying in this area of risk that you have accepted. They're going to make those kinds of changes. Well, there's tools out there that can do the exact same thing like DIY.fund. And that was always our kind of joke was that, you know, instead of paying an advisor to use the software to do the rebalancing, why don't you just use the software to do the rebalancing? And the other thing is that usually when you rebalance with an advisor, some say you'll have a quarterly call, some do an annual call, and they'll rebalance on that call. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean it's the optimal time to rebalance. You know, you're supposed to rebalance when you're overweighted in one area and underweighted in another. So you could be missing all of the wonderful times when you're going to be taking advantage of the right time to rebalance and, you know, getting much better returns because of it. But if you stayed and just did it with that annual or quarterly call with your advisor, you, you may never need to rebalance. It may all look, you know, the same, but all the noise in between you missed. Right. Because it's often the case that advisors are managing a whole portfolio of clients as well. So they've got to take into account all of their clients. And while they are concerned about you, they're also concerned about numerous other people. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, they, they and, and they're, you know, as an advisor, you know, look, I'm not knocking the whole industry here, but these are the things that you need to weigh and when it makes sense. But an advisor, you're obviously looking to get your next client. And so once I sign you up, I'm spending a lot of my time with prospective clients trying to get them in. And they're really just putting you and having software, you know, monitor you, hopefully, and using that software to manage all these clients. And so, again, it just comes to us saying, like, why do I need an advisor to read me my statements? And to basically when I have my call with an advisor, he's reading off the screen to me what he's seeing. It's not like he's hand calculating this stuff or anything. So why don't I just read from that screen in this day and age of the Internet and individuals having all that power now. But there are places for advisors. I'm not trying to make it look like there's not value in it, but really you have to question when and where it makes sense. Right. We have a lot of friends who are financial advisors. We, we do. love them dearly. Right. We <laughs> yeah. do. I think, and Eric, you bring up a good point here. There's a time and a place for it. But when you're just starting, and that's kind of those of you who are out there we're, we're speaking to, a lot of you have just paid your debt off. You are just starting. You're putting aside smaller amounts of money Getting that higher performance at the very beginning is so important to you so that you can really kind of ramp up your growth. At the beginning, it may be best to actually not be working with an advisor because you get those better returns. And I'll tell you the other reason for it too is if you start off in the beginning and you're investing a small amount of money, just learning how it works. If you went the advisor out and one person goes, I'm going to try it myself. Well, at the end of a year or two years, the guy who tried it himself has not only invested his money, but actually has learned from the experience and has better feet, better position to understand how it works than the person who just gave it to the advisor and kind of let them handle it for them. They've learned nothing from the experience beyond what it means to give your money to an advisor, right? What's very interesting is actually we get a tremendous amount of positive feedback from advisors wanting to use our software with their clients because it's a great communication tool. Because if you go in there together you know, with an advisor and say, okay, I want a balanced portfolio, but I want to be a little more tech heavy and a little more oil heavy, a little less consumer staples. 
you decide those things together and you set the threshold for when you want to be notified when things are out of balance. And if you do that together and you're both looking at the same information and then, you know, there's a run up and, and you become overweighted in technology today and your advisor ends up doing a trade, you know why they did a trade because it showed you, we alerted you that you were, you were overweighted. So it's a really great communication tool. So we're not saying that advisors are bad for any stretch of imagination. It's just that it's really only if you really feel like you have a special need for it because they're just doing what we provide you. From the investing side. From the investing side, for sure. Exactly. They do, so offer, they do offer other services and whole life services that that's where I think- Whole life planning or complex financial situations, You know, there's certainly value in there if you need for it, but- as far as like thinking your advisor is going to come in and outperform the market and and get you in these incredible investments, we tend to not see that happening, especially for people with smaller accounts. So what you're really doing is, especially with the investing component, is empowering people, giving them the knowledge and the tools to be able to understand investing better. Now, whether they do that in partnership with an advisor or they learn to do that on their own is up to them, but you're pretty much just empowering people. Exactly. And what we're really trying to dissuade people from doing and what we wasted our time in our investing lives is, you know, doing the I'm going to open an online account and I'm going to look at charts and I'm going to pick out stocks. And, you know, as you said, you're told those are the right things to do because there's plenty of people out there in the world that want to make money off of you selling you these type of techniques, but they don't necessarily work and you waste a lot of time instead of just understanding that you should have been balanced and have a strategic look at the market and not just, you know, thinking you're going to be Warren Buffett or stock picking. Or, or watching Jim Cramer yelling, <laughs> bye, 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 <laughs> sell, sell, sell. You know, it's, it's very exciting. I had a friend who sold her company, wanted to start investing. And she told me, it's so cool. I'm loving it. I'm on this stock trading game and it's the greatest thing. And, and she said, I love this investing. I said, that is gambling. That is not investing. If you want to talk investing, let's have another conversation another day. But a game is not, you know, real life. And tell me when you're serious. Right. I think there's a big disconnect between, you know, what people are given. You know, it's a huge disconnect, honestly. I mean, we really haven't found anyone who's doing what we're doing because it's all about charting and trading and options and strategies and how I'm going to outperform when realistically, you just want to invest and you want to stay invested and you want to maximize your returns. Right. right. If your investing starts to feel a little bit too much like you're in Las Vegas, then you might be doing it wrong. <laughs> wrong there, right? Right. It's funny you bring up Jim Cramer and buy, sell because John and I both were brokers and it was funny because we would get phone calls from time to time and and you would start talking to this client and they would say that they wanted to buy something or sell something. And in the background, you could hear that CNBC was on. <laughs> and you knew exactly why they were making the trade that they were making. Yeah. It's because Jim Cramer was telling come a long way. I mean, back in the day, I remember my dad when I oh, was yeah. younger. And back then, there was no information, right? You didn't know unless somebody knew about the company. But my dad calling his broker at $100, $200 commissions a trade and asking him about different stocks if they're good. Of course, I'm like laughing at it now, thinking the broker is like, I don't care what you buy as long as I get my commission, <laughs> right. I'll tell you everything is good, right. you know, and my dad buying it on that basis. And we've gotten past that mentality, I hope, but I still think we live with a little bit of, I'm going to find the good stock and the good whatever, and I'm going to, you know, invest in that way, which is more like gambling. 
Yeah. Right. Bitcoin. That's what everybody's, everybody's on you should, Bitcoin now. You should see his dad's little black book. It was very, very cool. Oh, that is cool. That's a, I'd love to see that. So I'm interested in DIY fund. Would you mind giving me, our listeners, a little bit of color, understanding of, of what the platform looks like and how they would be able to use it on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, our goal is to create something that lets people invest properly. Responsible investing, we call it. Not, as we said before, like you open an online account, it's blinking at you and you know, you're know you shot with adrenaline, but more of what would an advisor do for you and the tools that a professional would use to invest, but giving that to the individual so that out of the box, they are using stable, well thought out techniques. And it's just about you know, saying to the user to say, you know, we're going to create a portfolio. Well, you're going to get an alert that you need to rebalance from time to time. And, and you know, you want to track dividends. Well, we're going to send you alert when your dividends go down or up so you know where you stand. It's about staying in touch with your investments, not having to stare at your investments every day, but also doing it in a holistic sort of view, not where I'm stock picking and charting and, and those type of concepts. And what I love about it is that it works just as well for a brand new investor as it does for someone who has an established account. And you come in, you figure out where your risk tolerance is. So we show you what a model portfolio could look like, you know, based on your risk, but you don't have to follow it. We don't tell you what to do. We don't do anything, but we give you those parameters, you know, what percentage goes in each bucket. So it's very, very user friendly and it can get as complicated as you want based on, you know, market statistics and how you want to analyze your portfolio. But you really could just be as simple as, am I properly weighted based on the different sectors? And I'm going to set my threshold for, let's say, 2 or 3%. When it goes over those levels, I want to get alerted. So you don't have to do anything else. We'll tell you when something needs to get done in your account. So it's really for the person who doesn't want to spend a lot of time, but wants a lot of information at a quick glance. I love that. I have this meme and I joke about this a lot. I say, if I spent as much time on my budget as I did on Facebook, that I'd be (laughs) debt free by now. (laughs) And and I I almost feel like it applies here that if I spent as much time on my investing as I do on Facebook, that I'd be rich by now. Really kind of what you're saying is that you just set up some notifications, some push notifications that come to you based on what you're comfortable with. And the platform's going to give you some suggestions. It's not going to tell you that you have to do this or you must do this, but it's going to kind of give you a little bit of guidance if you want that. Right. You may say, you know, it may pop out that you may want to be 10% in technology, but you say, you know what? I'm all in in tech. I want to be 60% in tech. No portfolio management theory is going to tell you that, but you can set up your account any way you like. You can still set an alert when it goes 2% over that, that I'll alert you that it's time to rebalance. But you can set your account up any way you well, like. Well, the interesting thing is, and the way I've used it is, I can organize them. And one of the other nice thing about it is, if you get an online account, you kind of get a big list of stocks. But in DIY, I can group my stocks together and I can say, well, these four I'm going to use for, you know, dividend. And these three are going to be my, you know, I have a little like IPO portfolio that I want to see how I do with new IPOs that come out, et cetera. Little strategies that you can have, you can group, and I can track those individually. And, you know, the interesting thing is when I used to trade just kind of like a whole list of stocks, I would see a stock go down and you're thinking, oh, I got to get rid of it or you're, you know, cause you to panic. But when you look at it in a more holistic view where like these group of stocks are meant to do X, 
I can see that as a group and it's interesting. And one year they'll be my worst performing. And then, then the next year they're my best performing group of stocks. And so you tend to learn more about how to look at your investments as they relate to each other, but not as like so detailed as like the one stock and what am I going to do about that one stock? And you tend to understand that way of investing is a more proper way and a proper approach. And those are the things I saw when I was at the trading desk and the large hedge fund and how they invested. You know, it wasn't about the one stock. It was about the groups of stocks and how they grouped them together and organized. Awesome. Thank you. So I've gone on your platform and I've basically gone through the series of questions. I find out that I'm a particular type of investor and I make that selection. And then I receive kind of this allocation or goals report from you. Where do I go from there? Yep. So right now we're in beta. We're private beta. Yeah. We're, we'll be opening it up soon. That's not the end of your experience with us. That tool is meant to just give your feet wet and just kind of understand that we're based on more of a holistic allocation. That data comes from current market data of about where the market is and where your answers lie in that. From there, you know, as we get off the beta, you'll be able to link your accounts in. We'll suck in your portfolio and your investments. And from there, you'll be able to set, like I said, group your positions together and set different allocation goals for yourself. And that's where a lot of those reports and analytics come out of as well when you sign in and some of those questions do get used for the parameters we set in the application. Like if you are moderate, we go to the market and say, well, if you're moderate, you should be earning X dollars in dividends every year. And we compare that to your own portfolio and giving you one example and saying, well, this is where you should have been based on your answers. This is where you are. And those things are going to get elaborated on as we build it out. Right. And so for the person who already does have investing accounts, we have a relationship with a company called Trade It. They can import all of your financial information from the top 10 online brokers, basically. Not all your financial information, your stock. Your stock your, your information own, yeah. from what you have at those accounts. So then you can compare it to you know, what your model portfolio you know, theoretically should look like, and you can see how you actually look. And it's nice also because we break down the ETFs into the different components. So it's not like they just throw it into one basket. We'll actually take each one of them and put them into the proper category so you truly know what you look like. Because I know one day there was an article, Apple was down, but people's accounts were down significantly more than the market. No one could understand why. It's because everyone owns Apple personally. Every single mutual fund, any, you know, most ETFs all own Apple themselves. So you're, you don't realize how overweighted you are in Apple when Apple goes down, how much it can affect your portfolio. So I think that that is one of the things that's really important to look at is not just what you own individually, but what are the components of what your fund owns? Did you hear what Wendy said there, David? <laughs> uh -oh. Somebody owns a few shares of Apple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think the world a lot of, does. Uh, I, you know. He used to own a lot of Chipotle and two or three quarters ago, we have a financial advisor and she recommended that David sell the Chipotle or at least yeah. a portion of it. And he did not. And then he regretted it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, I mean, 2020 in trading. Well, is, I used you to know. walk into the stores and I don't know how you didn't own it, right? Because it lines up the door, but they had that, the uh, health scares. Yeah. Yeah, right. exactly. So it sounds like if I'm following everything correctly and David's been into the tool, I haven't been in as much. You're not really creating an account with DIY Fund. It's more nope. like you have a dashboard, right? Yes. You, we're not managing your money. We're not asking you to move any money. We don't take your money. We're really just trying to organize and help you use your current brokers, but have a different view into your portfolio and your investments. 
as DIY as we are, and that's where we really came from, you know, we do grapple with, and I think future versions down the road will help people to have model portfolios or something that they can look into, especially for a new person, so that they can say, you know, I don't want to even make a decision on an ETF, but how do I get there? And so these are the things that we're kind of grappling with as we get to version out of beta and into the next kind of sets of versions. Great. Nice. Do you have an estimate of or time when you think that that'll happen? We're really close. I mean, I think in the next you know month or two, you know, anybody on the list, we've been whittling it down, and but then we get a whole slew of new people okay. that get on there. So <laughs> right. it's um, a high class problem, but it's, you know, we're, we're very happy with it. You right. know, we really we know we know that there's a need. I think that's what makes us feel so good about this is that there really is nothing else out there that people can do so they can just invest responsibly. Right. Right. It's fascinating to me. And I think as interesting as the platform that you're creating is is how you got started doing it. I mean, in addition to building this trading platform that's not out there currently, you're building a business. Would you mind sharing with our audience a little bit about how you got started with the business side of it and how you're collaborating together? Well, it started because I was difficult. <laughs> <laughs> it started because we moved from New York to Florida. And you know, one of the things we wanted to get a handle on was you know, if we're leaving New York and we're leaving Wall Street, we want to make sure we're, you know, we were invested properly and in how are we going to manage our own portfolio, basically. And so Eric started writing little programs for me every day. And then it was just a little very basic. Here's what you did at the end of the day. Here's yeah. your performance over year. Yeah. You know, day, year, month. And, you know, and then I'd say, oh, well, why are we up today? So he'd go back and write some more. <laughs> and so we broke it up and it just evolved. But and we're looking at ourselves the whole time going, why can't I get this from my current broker? And <laughs> right. Information? Why is this so difficult? It just kept evolving into a full-fledged individual portfolio management system for people to go. And And Eric looked at me and he said, okay, I, I think I've done it, but everyone should have this. <laughs> exactly. And so we then applied. I told you earlier that we applied for a local since we were new to Orlando we applied to Starter Studio, which was the premier technology accelerator, and we got accepted, and that's how we started the business. Wow, that's great. Love so that. see what happens when you listen to your spouse, David? <laughs> 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 yes, so why don't you start listening to me? <laughs> We're going to quickly devolve into a fight here. <laughs> yes, no. no, I love that that you guys are working on this together. It's interesting because there was an article on CNBC yesterday that said that one of the potential paths to success is to having a business relationship with the person you spend the most time with. And that's, uh -huh. you know, that's oh, your partner. That. And they were basically were saying that a lot of times when individuals as a couple, if you have these similar goals and you're working on something together, not only does it strengthen your relationship, but you also have that person there that's pushing you to be more successful because they're they're also wanting to be successful. <laughs> they have a dog in the fight. Yeah, and, and, exactly. And it's a 24-7 business. You know, yeah. three o'clock in the morning, you're like, hey, what about this? <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, a, that is too that true. That is so true. John and I were at the gym this morning and we get up very early and we were at the gym and it's 5.30 and, and I'm sitting there on the bike and I'm texting John, well, we should try this and we should try that. And, you know, you're right. It is a 24-7 it really is. Love and yes, I see I see your posts when I'm still just getting up and I'm a couple hours ahead of you. So I know you guys are up early. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's brought us a lot, a lot closer together and we've learned so much. And I think one of the benefits with working with each other is that we already kind of understand each other, so there's not that communication barrier as as I might have had, you know, working in the in the professional world. It's been a lot of fun. 
I completely agree. Now, we really find that we see things very similarly and we, you know, can just look at a situation look, and we certainly can... ran into enough people that that look at us and go, I could never. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. but you, you know, we'd certainly yeah. love our time together. And, and, and it's great. And that was really our dream is that we could do something together. So it, it was not what our plan was, but it just happened. And we're so passionate about it. And you know, I'm so proud of what Eric's created. And I love, you know, talking about it. And we really have complementary skills. We certainly do different things in the business. And that's what also makes it work. Exactly. DIY Fund is doing amazing. I mean, you got every time I see you on Facebook, you're winning another award or you're in another magazine or paper. How's everything going? Again, I think we've had a lot of great feedback and the wait list keeps growing. We kind of funded this self-funded company ourselves. There's a bit of juggling trying to, to get all those things aligned. And ergo, you get this beta wait list that we're working hard to get out of. So there's a lot of juggling, but from the other side of it is we couldn't be happier where we are and kind of the road ahead. We have so many ideas that we want to kind of get to and put forth. And so it's exactly what you kind of get into when you do an entrepreneurial thing is you just a lot of late nights, but that's what you kind of sign up for. So we're- No, and it's, and it's really, really exciting because like I said, we know we've hit a nerve I don't even know how this happened, but every award we put ourselves in, we win and we never expected it. Sometimes, you know, we, we thought we were going to be the just happy to be nominated, you know, and we've won some great awards. So we're really, really thrilled about it. And I think really what it comes down to is we don't want to bastardize our business to just take investments and have to do this. We, we really know what we want to do and we have a good time frame on it. And we've seen a lot of these fintech startups come and go very quickly because they were trying to do things too quickly. So we're okay in a year and a half of what we've done in a year and a half. We're very happy, but we're, you know, slow and steady wins the race. And mm-hmm. the more feedback we can get, the better. It's a group effort here. Yeah, that's great. So you're like the anti-Susan Lucci. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, the last one was very funny. I We just said, we're so happy. We, we made it in the finals. We felt so good. I mean, I had my shoes off. I mean, the whole thing, we were just, you know. And then when the firm we thought was going to win got announced as the runner-up, I turned to Eric and said, who do you think's going to win now? As they said our name, I mean, I didn't have time to get my shoes on. He went up there by himself. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Awards are nice, you know, but the truth of the matter is we have to build a business and something that our users will find useful. And so that, you know, as you guys know, so yes, it was validating and cool to be up there, but that doesn't solve the problem of building a, a business that works and that has use to our users. And that's really what we're focused on every day. Yeah. So got to go back to the grindstone and continue to build. Where all can our listeners find out more about DIY Fund? Well, you certainly can go to the website, www.diy.fund. We're at DIY Fund on Twitter, which we have actively posting on there, teaching you about just basic stuff about investing and what's going on in the market. And we're also on Facebook at you know DIY.fund. Awesome. That's great. Well, we want to thank you for your time today. This has been very informative and I think it's a great kickoff for somebody who's interested in getting started with investing. And I think your platform might be a great way for them to dabble and get their feet wet before they- And learn a lot. And, and <laughs> yeah. certainly, honestly, we are so receptive. You know, Please send either of us, Wendy or Eric at DIY.fund. We are happy to receive any emails, questions, concerns. You know, We'll help you through this process any which way we can. They actually respond too because David has sent a couple questions and they <laughs> usually get a response within 24 hours. Yeah. <laughs> so that's nice. We so thank try. You. We try. Thank you for your time today. We appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you. Thank guys. you guys. Really great being on. Thank you, Wendy and Eric. It's clear you have a passion for helping more of us understand investing. 
I'm excited to start using your tool at DIY.fund. Are you ready to get started too? Click on the more option on your iPhone or on the show notes page for this episode and get the free debt-free guys beginner investing guide. Okay. We just serviced you. Now you get to service us by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes and signing up for the Queer Money Lifestyle Newsletter at queer.money. Well, I'm not really gay. (laughs) (laughs) Would help me if I had a personal chef made all all my healthy meals for me. Right. So instead, I'll have a Snickers tonight for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) The other end, I like the butts, so... (laughs) From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking Queer Money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.